everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Caps podcast. We're coming rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today, it's back. What else can you say other than it's back? And if you don't know what we mean by it, you'll soon find out. You, you will learn. You will will learn. But before we get into it, we're going to be discussing K-State recruiting, both in the football and basketball realms. And yeah, and then we'll just start talking about it it is realignment. Realignment is back and we'll provide the context for why we are so scared later in the episode. But let's firstly start off with football recruiting because K-State football has two new commits and then a slew of targets committing next week or one in one's case today on the episode coming out. But let's firstly start off with the two new commits, both on the defensive side of the ball. And the first one is Kanajal Thomas, a three-star cornerback who was offered at a K-State camp and then immediately committed. And I'm not sure if everything else is public information, so I'm not going to say it, but for who he committed against, it is extremely funny that he immediately committed to (laughs) K-State. Yeah, he he is another one of these camp offers. We've been seeing a lot of them. Uh, Generally, in the month of June, most of your commits are going to be guys that uh, just camp and then commit pretty soon after. Not always. Like guys like Colin Dunn and Dylan Edwards, they weren't camp guys. Yeah. But yeah, Connorsville Thomas, he's like the classic camp guy where he's someone with a he's a little smaller. Uh like although he does pack a lot to his frame, he is shorter and he has shorter arms. So he's someone that you you want to get on campus and like get watch him get reps on a field and live action to see if he can make up for his size with his abilities. And the staff was like, okay, this guy definitely can. Yeah, because he's 5'11". 170 is enlisted. His film, his film for his junior year, I'd say he he looked more like 510, 5'9", maybe. But possible to grow. And he um, has some pretty solid film. I'd say he's listed as a safety on 24-7, I think. Mm-hmm. Without oh, he's a being, I think he's a corner, yeah. Like, like the, at least the rare time where K State is not taking a corner and turning him yeah. into a safety, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I I like his film. He's very sticky, um, a little grabby at times. But he uh, he's a camp offer, so he's probably somebody that they look at as someone with a lot of upside. And also with uh, counter limits being removed now with classes, you can take I think gosh like up to thirty five. I think now total. I mean, total, uh, you can have 85 scholarship players. Yeah, but I mean the uh, per class counter limit. Like, Oh, I don't think that exists anymore. I think it's just you have to be below yeah. 85 scholarships. Okay, so then, yeah, there's no limit at all. So you see I guys think, like... Don't quote us on that. <laughs> no, I'm going to quote you on it. And... Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. I can be but, wrong. <laughs> but yeah... It's, it's guys like this and the next guy that we're going to talk about that maybe you see get added a little later in the cycle normally, but with counter limits gone, it's like, why not take a flyer on this guy and see what happens? And if we run out of room, then we'll be like, hey, sorry, like we're out of room. But yeah, um, yeah it, it never it doesn't hurt as much to take a shot on guys earlier and get them in the class a little earlier nowadays. 
Yeah. And for my evaluation of Connor Jal Thomas, it it's very similar to Connor's in that he's a very sticky man coverage corner. But the thing that stuck out most to me is his ability to play in the hip pocket of his receiver, where he can kind of, it's something very subtle that a lot of corners don't learn to do until later on in college to where he can kind of subtly put his hand on the hip and kind of somewhat lock the arm of the receiver. So that way the receiver can't lift that arm up, but because it just looks like the cornerbacks playing trail, it's very hard for any referees to see. So uh, just the fact that he's already picked up on that bodes well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he's somebody that can be out on the vein of a lot of late Snyder corners where they're definitely undersized, but they make up for it with their coverage skills. Guys like Duke Shelley and DJ Reed are the blueprint for a guy like this. Uh, although Connor Shaw Thomas is probably a little bit bigger than they were. Not by taller, a lot. Cause both Shelley and DJ, they're both, five, they're nine. like five, nine and five, eight, I think respectively. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Connor Shaw Thomas is at least, he's at least an inch or two taller. Uh, he's not that much bigger, but you know, a, l- a little goes a long way with a corner especially when you're facing like a six foot four receiver or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I like him. His hip movement's really good. Um, uh, he, he definitely has a lot more fundamentals down because I think he probably understands that he has a, a, a steeper hill to climb uh, given yeah. his size. Yeah. So welcome to the family college all Thomas, but then the next commit, which was later on in the exact same night, if I'm remembering correctly, it was, yeah. Yeah. Is Jack Fabris or Fabri. Fabris. Fabris, a three-style linebacker from Georgia, coach's son, former K-State coach John Fabris. And whenever it comes to Jack Fabris, golly, Fabris, he fits the mold of a coach's son. He's a very heady player. He knows exactly where he's going to be. He's going to pick up on the playbook pretty quickly. He just needs a little bit of physical maturation in terms of speed, strength, and size. But outside of that, he has a pretty good potential to be one of the brainiest players on defense. Yeah. Um, he's somebody whose film uh, was a little surprising and one that it was 13 minutes long. And yeah. in fact, he's safety. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's listed as a safety, but the position he plays is closer to what a linebacker would be. I'd say most of his yeah. highlights are facing like a triple option or wing or single wing and your football boys. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's four a in Georgia. Um, the style's closer to maybe three or two a I'd say in Kansas. Uh, he was all state um, as a safety, but I think he projects better as a linebacker at K state. I don't think you'd find many people that would push back on that either. Yeah. Cause uh, when you watch this film as a safety prospect, you're probably going to be sit- sitting there and left wondering, like, okay, this guy's not power five, or the very least is very, very fringe. But, you know, you think of him as a linebacker, and I think that changes things a little. He's a very sure tackler. Um, he's a powerful tackler as well, and he's great at reading a defense, and he knows what's coming. So I can totally see why the staff likes him, because this staff has had a propensity uh, to lean towards coaches' sons. And uh, guys that are around the game of football a lot, they really like heady players. And Fabris is exactly that. So I think moving him to linebacker uh, is going to be a really good move for him long term. Probably will, if I were going to guess. But 
Yeah. He could be a Mike. I I'm not exactly sure where he projects, just given that he doesn't entirely play Outside the position corner. right now. <laughs> Outside corner. I mean, he could try, I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't like it, but he could try. But yeah, um, I like Fabris. Um he has a lot of special teams highlights in his huddle, oh, which is interesting. Right in. He will. He will fit right in. He has a, several pump blocks. Uh, so, uh, and he, he, I don't know. He, he's a solid all around prospect. 24 seven gave him a slightly higher grade than I expected. I, I was, uh, talking with a friend, Ethan, for your, your reference ace. Uh, and I was like, he's probably gonna get like an 81 to an 83. I ended up with an 84 grade. So I guess 24 seven likes him a little bit more than I was going to give them credit for credit for. But maybe they looked at him as a linebacker as well. Cause I was like, if you see him as a linebacker, you can stretch that a little bit yeah. as a safety. I wouldn't give him higher than 83. Yeah. But yeah, welcome to the new two faces to the defense, Kanajal Thomas and Jack Fabris. And as for upcoming decisions, we have three that have specific dates. I think technically four, but I think he may have announced today. This was uh, the guy who's nicknamed The Blanket. And I think it was down to Oregon State, ULL, us, and someone else. But I don't think we're in that fight. Considering I literally don't know who you're talking about, probably not. All right. Well, <laughs> I think he, I think he's considered Oregon State lean. But the three names to keep in mind for this next week is, first and foremost, Donovan McIntosh who is expected to announce the day this episode comes out, which is July 1st. Or wait, does July have, does June have 31 days? Uh, 30 days, half September, April, June, and November. So that's actually a nice little rhyme to come up with. Yeah. But so 30 days for June. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Donovan McIntosh commits the day of the episode. And K-State is the expected favorite. And then... During the 4th of July, Joe Jackson, the running back out of Florida. Oh, Donovan McIntosh is a cornerback out of St. Louis. Joe Jackson is a running back out of Tampa. Um, I thought he was from South Carolina. I don't, I have 24-7 pulled up. I'll check. Okay. Anyway, he's a running back. He's announcing on July 4th. This is another case where K-State is the expected favorite. And he plays extremely fast. <laughs> He is from Florida, Davenport, Florida. Davenport, okay. But the one that everyone is watching with bated breath, no, it's not Jacoby Lane, former winner of the wacky segment of the week, and still one of the mo- one of the most emo people who has yet to commit to K State. <laughs> um, which, hey man, <laughs> I hope he does. I hope he, he does. It'd be it'd so be funny. It'd be so great. But the one that everyone is watching is the July 5th commitment of Avery Johnson, the quarterback out of Mays, Kansas. He's announcing it on the 5th of July on CBS Sports HQ. And what I will say is Washington has a quarterback. And the other competition maybe looking elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. It, it's very telling that Washington is listed in his final three, but they took another QB, a uh, lower rated QB. Mm-hmm. And then Oregon 
is pretty they're doing fairly well for five star Dante Moore. They just brought him in on a visit and Dante Moore was just a lead eleven along with Avery. And, and are we gonna talk about the nickname that Avery got at Elite Eleven? Yeah, I think we can. That's public information. That's public uh, information. When Avery was competing uh, the second night in the pro day portion of the Elite Eleven, the players and trainers around him when he was making throws, they were referring to him by the nickname of K-State. That seems yep. telling. I would say I, I, I'm at the point where it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Avery Johnson is going to commit to K-State. And I, I'm not going to refer to him as like a target or I'm not going to refer to him as a commit, but I'm just going to call him a, I don't know. Lean. Yeah. I have solid, solid lean, heavy lean, heavy lean quarterback, which I will not start celebrating until I see the commitment, but I'm the same. Yeah. That does not mean I'm not excited because I am extraordinarily excited. Yeah. I will be watching the live stream. I mean, I need to check if I'm working, but if I'm not, I absolutely mm-hmm. will. Now, I don't remember what time it is that he's exactly announcing, but it's in between 12 and 2, I think. I think I might be safe then. But anyway, watch out for those three names. Donovan McIntosh on the first, Joe Jackson on the fourth, and Avery Johnson on the fifth. That pretty much wraps up the football recruiting segment of this week's episode. But now we can talk about the basketball recruiting segment for the men's basketball team at K-State. They recently got a, another commit, and that is Tyke Green, a shooting guard from Stetson and actually born in New York. So the New York to Manhattan pipeline Continues again with Marquise Noel, Ish Masood, and now Tyke Green. The Manhattan Manhattan pipeline, if you will. Manhattan to Manhattan pipeline. Big apple to little apple. What do you have on Mr. Green, Connor? Um, Well, based purely off of his stats, he's an immediate upgrade. Shooting guard is where I'm having him right now. Uh, He could be the two or the three, I think. Um, Might go back and forth between both, but... Yeah, 14 points per game, eight rebounds per game. Uh, a very similar stat line to one Mark Smith that we had this past year. Now, I'm not going to come out here and say that he's going to be Mark Smith. I think he's a different player. That'd be but, nice, though. Yeah. I, for one, don't think that we're going to ask our guards to rebound as much as we did this year. I still think they'll be expected to. But Are we no going to ask them to be smart as often? I hope so. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Oh, that's another story we have to tell yeah. when a, on a less packed episode. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like Ty K Green. Uh, he, the biggest thing about Ty K Green, I think, is he's yet another addition with proven experience in Division One, which was kind of the big criticism with uh, Jerome Tang, and now he's gone out and gotten back to back additions or back to back to back additions actually with quality division one experience and desi sills uh uh abayomi uh aiola i think i butchered his name i saw a pronunciation where somewhere but i can't remember it and then yeah I, I think there's like a z in the pronunciation somewhere because mitch fortner posted about it uh, I, the, I don't, I don't know. know where that would go <laughs> i don't know anyway but <laughs> but 
Yeah. Uh, you, you're probably looking at a starter here with Tyke Green, I think. Um, I mean, I think Marquise starts, Tyke Green starts, Naquan Tomlin probably starts, uh, Iola probably starts. Uh, at least one spot open where I think there's a plethora of people that could be slotted in there. Sills is one, uh, Cam Carter's another, maybe. Yeah. But we're at the point where you have 11 scholarship players and you can really start to make determinations about the roster. And I can say with at least some degree of confidence that this is at least in terms of ceiling equal to last year. And I, I think their ceiling is higher than last year, but it requires a few people to make leaps. We don't have a superstar like we did last year, Nigel pack, but I'd say that we have more reliable role players And we have a lot of reliable role players. I think everybody on this roster can probably be successful to some degree. Although now that we have 11, they might be inclined to redshirt a guy like Dorian Finister, just because he's already someone where we looked at his film and I, I wasn't convinced that he was going to be ready after just one summer and a fall to play in power five. But yeah, this is, he had another quality, addition that I cannot complain about in any respect. Uh, I guess the only thing was that his assists were down, but at the end of the day, his job is to score, not get other people the ball. So Marquise is probably the ball distributor. Yep. Well, yeah. Welcome to the family, Mr. Green. And now we can talk about the, this isn't recruiting news, but the big 12 has a brand new commissioner and that is Brett Yormark, who is the former uh, chief operations executive, wait, chief operations officer. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Of rock nation, which is Jay-Z's record label, which if that's all you heard about him, which is all I heard about him for the first time, because that's all anyone highlights. I'm like, wow, that is an extraordinarily strange hire. Yeah. But yeah, he's also a former executive for the Brooklyn Nets, the NBA team. And we can just kind of briefly talk about our opinions on the hire. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Um, I like the hire. Um, Rock Nation. A uh, fairly successful label, I think one could say. Yeah, um, it's made Jay Z a billion dollar man, along with also being married to Beyonce, and he's winning. He's winning he's, in life. He's doing all right. Um, Brayor Mark helped facilitate the Brooklyn Nets' largely successful move from New Jersey to Brooklyn, and their ensuing rebrand, which I think the Nets have really done a great job of going from being the New Jersey Nets, where I. I can say that I kind of thought that they were like an afterthought as an NBA team to being a lot more relevant now. And he also had a pretty heavy hand in modernizing NASCAR, I believe, in the like mid 90s to like mid 2000s and like helped start the Sprint Cup and stuff like that, which I don't know anything about NASCAR, but I know about the Sprint Cup, like just because of like the marketing behind it and everything. But Brett Yormark, he's got a very diverse. Uh, resume and portfolio um, and he's got a pretty solid track record everywhere he's gone I don't really have too many complaints about this hire um, we're getting into a college football world and college sports world where 
it seems that conferences are more willing to go outside of college athletics to make their hires just because they know that a the they don't want the product to get stale and b they know that the product is ever changing which we'll get to in a bit um, <laughs> uh so yeah I, i'm a fan of bright your mark i do not envy his position that he's in right now no i don't either um i'll admit I started off, I, you can ask Connor about this. I was very, very apprehensive about the hire because like I said, the, all I saw initially was that he was the COO of rock nation, which I'm like, how is a record label position going to help you as an athletics <laughs> conference director? But then I saw his other credentials, most notably the nets and I'm more okay with it than I was before. The one thing that I think, I think that this is going to be one of the cases where as a commissioner, I don't think he's going to have anything to do with any of the sports themselves. He's more going to be the, not necessarily the face of the conference, but the face of all the business dealings, which if I'm going to have anyone be the face of a business dealings in anything, I'll take a COO over a CEO anytime because the COO is in charge of operations. And with the Big 12 media rights expiring in 2025, I think that your mark was one of the most cutting edge hires in that regard because of his experience in the business world and how he can negotiate those TV contracts. And the media contract was probably the most important thing that, well, it was the most important thing that a big 12 commissioner was going to have to deal with. And I think that your mark is probably one of the best people that we could have hired for that, especially considering how one of the other options was Oliver Luck, who I do not believe would have lived six years. So, <laughs> but more your mark is, I believe 55. So he'll be around for a decent amount of time. So from a, as a business perspective, I think it's a very good hire. Yeah, I I, I definitely am, am. I'm pleasantly surprised. I'd say I totally expected like a crusty white dude that's like super old and like looks literally just like Bob Bowlesby, but not Bob Bowlesby. And like the previous guy's name's like Dan Beeb, I think. Yeah. Like, like just like another carbon copy of like someone who's been in college athletics for a really, really, really long time. And it's like, well, this is how they did things in 1870s. So this is how we should do them now. But, I was alive back then. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, but uh, it, it's a surprisingly progressive hire by a conference that realizes it needs to make change to survive in the current landscape. I'm, I'm impressed by the forward thinking uh, ability of uh, the Big 12 board of directors or whoever it was that was in charge yeah. of the hire. There were seemingly some athletic directors that were displeased with the hire. Like somebody made, there was like an anonymous AD that made a snide remark about like if we were going to start producing music or something like that. Like, and I can understand the apprehension. I don't agree with it, but I can understand it. Yeah, I, I get the apprehension. I was pretty apprehensive as well. I saw it was like Brett Yormark and I was like, all right. Like, okay. But it was definitely helpful to see comments of support from a guy like Adam Silver and uh, the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver. And also, I can't recall his name, but 
uh, the like CEO and executive producer of Fox Sports. And having that media connection when media rights deals are about to come up, uh, probably going to be helpful. Granted, the Big Ten's going to be the crown jewel for Fox, yeah. but Fox has always had a pretty good relationship with the Big 12 in terms of Fox Sports. And uh, so hopefully uh, the Big 12 is able to make some inroads with them. But I guess that's kind of a nice segue into our nice our next topic, unless you had something else you want to add about Mr. Brett Yormark. Nope. But I will say that this realignment segment is brought to you by the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, Aggieville Alley Cats at creator at teespring.com, where you can find such designs as Neon Alley Cats, Doom Tank Clan, and Play Sandstorm Cowards. The link is in our Twitter bio if you want to support the show financially. They have some, um, they, we have some amazing <laughs> designs that are just waiting to be bought up. So please be sure to check it out. But next up is realignments. And you may be wondering why I sound so defeated. Connor's probably so excited for this segment. I, I sound defeated. Because if you don't remember, the last time we did a hypothetical recruiting segment, we did it for fun. And realignment, then segment. realignment segment. We did it for fun. And then one day later, the Big 12 was about to get executed, which Connor actually somewhat predicted. Yeah. <laughs> I, Connor I almost doomed the Big 12 to death the last time we talked about realignment. and. That's why whenever we saw the realignment news, I was scared a little bit. And then Connor made another spreadsheet and I'm still scared. But, yeah, you know, do you want to cover the news portion of it or do you want to cover your spreadsheet or do you want to like combo on both? Uh, let's go through the news first. Just okay. get that important stuff out of the way. And okay. then we can uh, no, we can go into the spreadsheet as like a fun it's like a reward at the end of the segment it's like a reward but if you haven't heard it is basically confirmed at this point and not in the KU to the Big Ten is imminent being confirmed no like this is actually like people who are not just trying to be scoop meisters and get ahead of people are corroborating that two of the premier programs or at least two of the big money making programs in the Pac-12, uh, University of Southern California, USC, and the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, are both leaving the Pac-12 in order to join the Big Ten. And aside from that being a geographical nightmare, it is also opened the door to realignment talks once again. And I just hope that the Big 12 isn't at risk of dying this time. It's not. Yeah. The Big 12 is named. Yeah. It's in a much better spot uh, in terms of survival today than it was a year ago. Um, But yeah, this all happens so quickly as it tends to uh, nowadays with realignment. Uh, It kind of trickled out uh, around noon today. And uh, um, then after that, it snowballed and it, it went from, Hey, this is something that like we've been hearing to it's going to happen really soon to it being officially announced about five or six hours after the rumor started and the schools confirming 
that they were leaving their longtime home and the uh, pack eight, 10, 12, what have you, uh, the various iterations of the pack, and then uh, leaving to go join the Big Ten. And the reason's pretty much entirely money. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always money. Yeah, it's always money and stuff like this. They can say whatever they want. But at the end of the day, it's money. Um, yeah, it's money. They, uh, um, there's been a few Twitter sources and uh, journalists, um, blue check journalists, I'll say, verified people that um, have been able to uh, find out that they're expecting over $100 million a year in media rights payout uh, when the Big Ten renegotiates its media deal here pretty soon. Um, and USC and UCLA, I'd imagine Pac-12 negotiations were not going too well because um, they already don't have a great media deal. Granted, a lot of everything that's happening to the Pac-12 is the fault of the previous commissioner, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, when your biggest branding thing is Pac-12 after dark. <laughs> yeah, that and the Pac-12 network was kind of an abject failure. Oh, God, I forgot that exists. I think it still exists, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah, it does. But it's uh, it's really rough. Um, but USC, UCLA, headed to the Big Ten. Not at all culture fits in any way, shape, or form. Nope. Uh, there's, but that's, of course, the, that doesn't matter in, at this point. Well, that's like, not true. They're both pompous. That is true. Yeah, that is true. They 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 fit in that sense, and that they're <laughs> full of themselves, and their best years are behind them. But, <laughs> Lincoln Riley is going yeah. to become the Oregon State coach now. <laughs> that would be interesting. I mean, he's always looking for lesser competition. So his plan has unfortunately backfired to like find Again. like a big <laughs> like a big. He's been constantly looking for a good big fish small pond situation. And he just gets to USC, and six months later, they're like, "Hey, what Oops. if we went to like one of the best conferences in the country?" But he burnt his brisket yeah. a little extra that night. He sure did. Gosh, but <laughs> it it is a uh, weird situation. Yeah, it, I would say. And then there, there, you can cover the other schools that are suspected that there are a bunch of conflicting information on the, the moral of the story for everything that we're about to say after this moment is that none of this is confirmed and it is all very confusing. You want to talk about the other two schools? Uh, yeah, sorry. I was reading tweets about it's all it, good, but, um, yeah, the other two schools, that's been interesting to follow all day because there was a brief point in time where, uh, it seemed like all but confirmed that Oregon and Washington were going to be soon following uh, USC and UCLA to the Big Ten as kind of two of like the larger schools remaining. Oregon basically being Nike headquarters university. Yeah. And then Washington having the Seattle market. They, they were kind of the obvious picks remaining. You think a school like Stanford or Cal, they're like endowment, but I don't think anyone's kidding themselves that academics matter. Like and this, which to be fair, it's a little strange that they matter in the first place when the existence of conferences were pretty much revolves almost exclusively around sports at this point in history. Yeah, I'd say. Um, but yeah, it, it it's been a little bit conflicting though as of late. If U.S. or not U.S. if Oregon and Washington are going to be uh, headed to the Pac-12 at all, 
um, or to the Big Ten at all. They're already in the Pac-12. But they uh, there there's been some rumors that the Big Ten may not be looking to expand because allegedly the Big Ten didn't actually plan to expand at all. And then USC and UCLA approached them uh, about expansion and they were they just thought that the deal was like too good. Uh, they're gonna be, I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna end up all making a hundred million dollars a year after this. I mean, it's hard to turn that down. Yeah, but yeah, and Oregon and Washington, at least uh, for now, uh, which who knows how long that is. Uh, it could be a day. It could be years. Uh, but the Big Ten is not planning on adding any more Pac-12 schools, at least temporarily. We may wake up in the morning and Washington, and Oregon are packing their bags, which the, a lot of intended. Yeah, <laughs> but a lot of potential expansion revolves around what Washington and Oregon do, I think, because if Washington and Oregon stay in the pack, then they do have a chance, an outside shot, but a shot at survival, I think, because they'd be the Pac-10. They could go pick off two Mountain West schools, probably Boise and somebody else, and then they would be albeit in an even weaker position than they were before but they at the very least keep uh their most competitive school on national stage and they'll keep washington and they're hopefully able to keep the rest of the conference together assuming oregon and washington stay and the rest of the schools uh remain in lockstep but a lot has to happen at this point for the pack to not completely collapse i think because if oregon and washington leave and maybe even if they stay there, there's a very good chance that the Pac-12 is just about done as a power conference. Yeah, because I, I, I don't get people who say the Big 12 is the weakest power conference when both the ACC and the Pac-12 exist. Because the ACC, when you take out Clemson, is like you pick one random school a year that's really good. And then the Pac-12 notoriously has the circle of suck. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the, the circle of suck. Not a good branding opportunity, yeah. some might say. Like the circle of suck and Pac-12 after dark are the two things I know for the Pac-12 foremost. And I don't feel like I'm alone in that. No, you're not. Uh, Bill Walton is one for me. Uh, I know him for the Pac-12. Uh, his commentary of random weeknight Pac-12 basketball games that mean yeah. nothing. Yeah. As I, as I watch, like, 12 and 18 Washington state compete with like Stanford. Who's like 13 and 16 to finish eighth in a bad PAC 12 basketball conference. Like yeah. that's bill Walton and that's PAC 12 basketball to me. Like this is the PAC 12, the conference of champions, as he says, Oh my God, no longer. Um, but a few other things that have been mentioned around, is that uh, the people around the sports industry seem to think that unless the Pac-12 invites two new members and gives them uh, really generous concessions, that the conference is probably done for. That's a, a tweet from a verified Dave Mahler, 100,000 followers, a radio guy from Seattle. Uh, so probably plugged into the Washington scene there. Yeah. And then another one is uh, uh, 
USC beat writer Ryan Cartry for the LA Times um, said multiple sources tell the LA Times that no other Pac-12 members are expected to be added at the Big Ten at this time. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, et cetera, will not be following USC and UCLA. And that that is interesting. Um, Oregon, Washington, that means one of two things. One, the Pac-12 has a shot of survival, like I said earlier. The other is that it opens up more expansion possibilities for the Big 12, which that's the interesting way to look at it for us, I'd say, because we ultimately are a K-State podcast at the end of the day. So our our main concern is how can this benefit the Big 12 and K-State? Because we are on the other side of the issue as opposed to how yeah, we can laugh summer. about it now. Yeah. We can yeah. laugh about it now. Last we summer, are killing yeah. a conference. <laughs> I would feel bad if the PAC 12 hadn't actively enjoyed our demise, mm-hmm. but they were having a really great time watching us like shrivel and die until we managed to live. And so I will enjoy this a little bit, but that's not to say that there are actually really valuable expansion assets in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'd say that the, I think that kind of the sports community as a whole has kind of coalesced around the core group of Ar- the Arizona schools, Arizona and Arizona State, Colorado and Utah, as being like the mo- the most likely candidates for. Big 12 expansion. But then again, a lot of that revolves around the idea that Oregon and Washington joined the Big 10, which there's conflicting information on it. I don't want to say that there's a definitive proof that they will or won't, because again, realignment, like we've seen time and time again, can change in a heartbeat. And I I mean, we literally saw the Pac 12 disintegrate in six hours today. (laughs) Yeah. Which is horrifying. But the Pac 12 has been in a worse position than the Big 12 very quietly for this entire this in this past year so uh i don't know Ace, what what are your thoughts on the big 12 potentially uh expanding with arizona arizona state colorado utah and then also your thoughts on oregon and washington i i'll start off with the big 12 reaching out to the arizonas and colorado and utah i like <sighs> I like the addition of Arizona and Arizona state. I think it's kind of the most obvious, like if we're going to pick one state to poach entirely, Arizona works the best. I really like the addition of Utah because that makes the Holy war a conference rivalry between Utah and BYU intellectual take. I totally agree. Yeah. I, that makes the Holy war a conference rivalry. And I honestly think that aside from the sunflower showdown, we need another game that's going to be on the rivalry week now that Bedlam won't be happening, which I think is one of the worst casualties of Mm -hmm. OU leaving, which is it's Bedlam. Hopefully that can remain some sort of protected game for uh, those two schools, but they don't seem to have any interest in playing each other right now because it kind of seems like there's some bad blood. Yeah, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Oklahoma State side. I totally get it. Yeah. But outside of that, um, I really like keeping Utah BYU as a rivalry because the other games that would take up for that week 14, which is rivalry week, notoriously rivalry week, 14 and 15. That's when iron bowls played and egg bowl and all the things like that. 
The only other options are the Sunflower Showdown, which I don't think would get many ratings because we all know that KU is going to get waxed. Farmageddon. Uh, Farmageddon, which I think is more of a Twitter rivalry than anything else, even though it's starting to get national media attention. It is the longest continuously continuous played rivalry. rivalry game. and or I think it's the longest continuously played game between two opponents in the country. Yeah. Period. That's true. Um, what else am I missing? You have... I don't think Texas Tech and Baylor have a rivalry. They vaguely do. I don't remember if there's a name for it, but I think they do have some form of rivalry. And then TCU and Baylor, they kind of hate each other. Like, But it's kind of a non-official hatred yeah. because of uh, I remember they were battling back and forth in like 2014 for the playoff. And it ended up being that neither of them made it because the Bay 12 didn't have a conference title game. And the playoff committee said, if you add a title game, then you'll get uh, playoff teams. And we did. And then that didn't even matter. So, yeah, but I think that we need another in-state rivalry game that is competitive to have during rivalry week but the one school that i am most apprehensive about adding is colorado for two reasons first they were already in the big 12 and while some people are willing to say hey come on back they've kind of made it sound like they don't want to and secondly they and this is more of the meme reason they don't seem to particularly care that the pac-12 is collapsing around them they're just, <laughs> they're just like, well, I guess this is happening now. I don't Whatever. think, I truly don't think most Colorado fans would notice the difference between being in the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. No. They would hate all the fans in their stadium equally. So, yeah. The opposing fans, that is. But, yeah. Yeah, Colorado fans carry a pretty bad rep. I, I think it's fair to say. Putting yeah. it lightly. Yeah. As for Oregon and Washington leaving, I I don't think those two schools are going to leave until it's abs- until someone forces their hand. In fact, I think it's most likely that the Big 12 reaches out to Arizona and Arizona State, gets them, and then Oregon and Washington both panic and try to join another conference, which causes the entirety of the conference to collapse, causing Utah to come to the Big 12. Yeah. You see, I'm willing to entertain the non-zero, but 0.1% chance. I'm prefacing with it. So that way you don't be like, Connor, this isn't going to happen because you (laughs) always do that. I know. (laughs) But now that there's been statements made that there's not going to be an immediate addition, like more additions of Pac-12 schools to the Big Ten, you have to consider the possibility that the Pac-12 falls apart, that Oregon and Washington just kind of stumble their way into the Big 12 haphazardly. I I don't think I can put into words how much I hate that. <laughs> like I, Every part of my soul reacts with vitriol to that. I don't want Oregon and Washington in the Big 12. And anyway, no. And I really can't tell you. Okay. I could make myself okay with it if we got, I like, even if you're tossing out the Arizonas, if we got Utah out of it, suddenly we become one of the best. We are probably without a doubt head to head 
with the Big Ten for like the second best Power Five conference if we get Oregon, Washington, and Utah. But I could make myself okay with it if we got Utah too. But if it's just we end up getting Oregon and Washington, mm-mm. Nope. I don't think there's a universe where we only get those two schools. Yeah. Like this wasn't me saying we only get Oregon and Washington. This was me saying there's a reality in which we get all the schools that we've already mentioned, the Arizona's Colorado, Utah and Oregon and Washington. And that then you can, and then you can decide is a school like Oregon state worth it? Is a school like Washington state worth it? And if you, I mean, you can be a chooser in that situation because if you say no, they just go to the mountain West. And that's fine. You're probably, I mean, I'd say you turn down Cal and Stanford. I don't think they want to join the Big 12 anyways. I think they would sooner go independent and just kind of stop caring about athletics as a whole. They already do that. That is fair. That is true. (laughs) I I don't think that leaves any other Pac-12 schools because as USC and UCLA leaving to the Big 10, we'll say the Arizonas and then Colorado and Utah join the Big 12. And then Stanford and Cal don't care to join because they're pretentious and dumb. Uh, Oregon State, Washington State, take them or leave them. And then that leaves you Oregon and Washington as like the wild cards in the situation, which they weren't until like five hours ago. And because I was starting to make my the spreadsheet of all the realignment scenarios, I say all or like four. And uh, with the expectation and assumption that Oregon and Washington would be in short order joining the Big Ten. And it seems like there's been some sort of break press on that, and which is really interesting. Granted, it might just be they're waiting to give them their time and uh, the spotlight as like two schools like going down like the runway. And it may just happen next week instead. But the other alternative is that there's either a hang-up in negotiation or they've kind of decided that they're just mutually like not a good fit for each other. The Pac-12, I don't think or I think Oregon and Washington would be too big for any iteration of the Pac-12 that remains after this without a USC, without a UCLA. Yeah. So I, I think they realize that there's there's a non-zero chance they end up in the Big 12. I'd still I'd still put it at extremely low. I, I'm not going to sit around assuming they end up in the Big 12, and I'm not going to think that. But there is a universe in which those two schools, after a series of unfortunate events, end up in the Big 12. Although I would honestly, I would put it at more likely than unlikely that the Arizonas, Colorado, and Utah make it to the Big, to 12. The Big 12. Yeah, to the Big 12. Okay, so assuming the collapse of the Pac-12, which I am doing in this situation because we're kind of watching it. Yeah, okay. So before we get into your spreadsheet, that, that's kind of the news. Before we get into your spreadsheet, here's what I personally think is going to happen. UCLA and USC are both gone. We've established this. I think what's more likely than anything else is I think the... I really do believe that the Big 12 is going to call Arizona, the Arizona schools in Utah. I don't think they call Colorado. Um, no pun intended there, Colorado. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 
I think they field calls from that. I don't think that anything comes from that. And I think that the Pac-12 probably – I'm going to be boring. The Pac-12 ends up taking Boise State and Fresno State to replace those two. While they're not as big brands, they're just as competitive, and I don't think that they have many roadblocks in the way of being the next schools in. That being said, if the Pac-12 loses either Arizona or Utah, if they lose one of those schools, I think the Pac-12 is dead. Is this assuming Oregon and Washington stay or go? That's assuming even if they stay. Because I think Oregon and Washington, if they see the other big brands in the Arizonas or Utah, because Utah is a weirdly big brand. Like you wouldn't think about it, but Utah is actually a very strong brand for the Pac-12. I think if they see that Utah has left, Utah especially, if they see that they left, I think they end up saying, okay, there is no one else that we can bring in that would fulfill the brand of the Pac-12 that or could even make us slightly more competitive because yeah you could add san diego and san jose state but they'd be competitive but they're not they're not they're not a bcs buster like boise state and they're not consistently good like fresno state but i i don't know it's it's dark times for for the pac-12 and now i'm just gonna sit back provide occasional commentary for Connor going through his realignment spreadsheet, which this time it is not making me physically ill to look at. <laughs> yeah, it it is really a tough time to be a fan of the Pac-12 because I think I'm looking at this through fairly unbiased glasses when I say that the Pac-12 is, a, is in a worse spot right now than the Big 12 was a year ago. Yeah. And I, I think that mainly stems from the Big 12 had a crop of quality expansion candidates to pick from that granted were not as good as Oklahoma and Texas uh, in terms of brand, but they at the very least had highly competitive teams like Cincinnati. Uh, and then they also had Houston, BYU and UCF. So they do get the big brand in BYU. They get Cincinnati and who's been in the college football playoff. Yeah, I know they lost. I don't really care. They were there. I don't care. They got buzzsawed by Bama. Every school gets buzzsawed by Bama. Yeah, that's that's not a Cincinnati problem. That's a college football problem. Yeah. Houston, they they're they're a solid Texas pick. You know, can't complain about that. Uh, keeps that area of the state available for Big Twelve recruiting. Um, and then UCF. I mean, they claim a national championship. I think that's hilarious, personally. And mm-hmm. a lot of it annoys a lot of people. It's never annoyed me, really. I, I think it's why. hilarious. It's funny. I think, yeah, I think it's really funny that they do it. I think it's even funnier that it gets on people's nerves as much as it does because <laughs> elect to not care is my advice to you. Yeah. But um, I, I, I think that the Pac 12 is in a much less stable position right now just because they lose the LA market, which that I feel like that was really holding that conference together for a long time. Cause we've known for about a decade that the PAC 12 has been on a very sharp and rapid decline. People like to make fun of the big 12, but the PAC 12 was already making worse money than the big 12 viewership was generally worse just because of their time slots. And other than Oregon and Utah, like last year, 
they've not really had many competitive teams other than I guess Washington did have that year of glory where they went to the uh, playoff. Yeah, with but, Jake Browning and Joan Ross and Miles yeah. Gaskin. How yeah, did they Miles not Gaskin. win? How did they not win? Yeah, that, that was a that was a fun team. I'm not gonna lie. But the Pac-12, they lose U- UCLA and USC, two of their biggest brands, even though they've sucked. You, it, they honestly, I feel for the Pac-12, they had two Texases, like weighing them down, and an even bigger market than Texas is in. I mean, that's really tough, right? Yeah, it's less <laughs> yeehaw and more thumb their nose at you. Yeah, like it, it's a really tough situation to be in at the Pac-12, but. Uh, I don't know a ton about the previous commissioner. I know his name is Larry Scott, I think. And he, I all I know is that he was pretty notoriously panned as being awful. And I've seen a lot of people today pretty much pinning most of the Pac-12's failures, if not all of them, on this guy, Larry Scott, for poor media negotiations, getting a really bad media deal for the conference, giving them these horrible time slots where they get really bad exposure. So... I, I mean, I, I get the anger. I really do. Um, but Pac-12 fans, I feel for you. We've been there. I mean, we thought the Big 12 was dead in case it was out of the Mountain West last year. But, yeah, the Pac-12, very unstable position because they are at a point where if Oregon and Washington leave, they're done. I mean, I don't think there's any getting around it. They'd be down to eight schools. And, yeah, they could bring in some Mountain West schools, but it's not going to be anything like what the Big 12 brought in. I mean, the best you're looking at here is Boise State. Yikes. Boise State is not a bad school at all, but for the Big 12, they were able to decline Boise State. Pac-12 would be begging Boise State to join. That's the difference there. Boise State's not inherently bad ad. You can make an argument for them being good, but they have a lot of work to do facilities-wise, a lot of work to do academically-wise, a lot of work to do endowment-wise. Everything they need to work on, other than they've been an oddly competitive school in an unlikely situation for the last like 20 years. Yeah. But they, they've made their entire brand based off of like the three years that they were BCS busters. Yeah, exactly. And they've been pretty successful marketing themselves that way. But at the end of the day, they're still in the Mountain West, and which isn't an awful conference. Now there's some there's some fun teams here. Colorado State, like Fort Collins, like that'd be a fun road trip, I think. But you know, you're not going to add a school because the road trip's fun unless you're trying to get to like 30 teams. But <laughs> yeah, then San Diego State, that's a quality program there. Uh, truly it is. But like San Diego's not replacing LA. And I think that's what that move would be trying to do. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot of attractive options. Fresno State's not bad. They just had a really good year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hawaii, re- no. No, definitely not Hawaii, Nevada, not not New Mexico, uh, not Air Force. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Not San Jose State, um, UNLV. That is an ad that I could see the Pac-12 making if they got really desperate. That is the ultimate desperation move. That's that's exactly how I see UNLV. That is going to be my barometer for how desperate did the Pac-12 get when making determinations on who to add is did they did they at least give serious consideration to unlv for the vegas market as if unlv gets any share of the vegas market which they don't they don't and utah state's not realistic wyoming is not realistic 
like UNLV, if they get added to the Pac-12 to try and expand their media footprint, they should fold the league yeah. right then and there and just let them go their separate ways. But I think the Pac-12 is more likely as things stand today, especially if Oregon and Wash doesn't end up still going to the Big Ten, regardless of what we've heard tonight. I think the Pac-12 is more likely to dissolve and end its existence than to survive this tumultuous period. That's where I'm at right now, because you you have to work pretty hard to keep the Pac-12 alive. It pretty much all revolves around Oregon and Washington not leaving. Yeah. And even if they don't go with the Big 12, or even if they don't go with the Big 10, they may go with the Big 12. And it may not matter. And even if they stay, you might still see the Arizonas leave. I've been, I've personally, I've been hearing whispers about the Arizona schools to the Big 12 for for years. They were around, they were around because wasn't the um, one of the original first rumors that we heard for Big 12 realignment last year was the Arizona Cincy and UCF? It was, yeah. I was going to say, I've, I heard legitimate, credible rumors about the Arizonas about six months ago. Like, I, I won't say who or where I heard that from because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But I did hear legitimate potential swirling around that. I'm not going to go any further than that, at least for that situation. But yeah. the Arizonas, I mean, that's a great ad if you're the Big 12. You get a whole state there pretty much. And then um, of two programs with really high potential, two of the best uh, or two of the most popular public schools in the entire country. They both have enrollments that are like crazy high. And they're, they're both extremely great road trips to a, war- a place that's warm basically the entire year. Yeah. I mean, and they're a good money ad because they're going to have a big alumni base. So, yeah, I think, I think if we add the Arizona's, we may be the most enrolled in conference because we have the most enrolled in university in UCF. Yeah. We have basically the entirety of the mid Midwest. Yeah. We have a good portion of Texas. Yeah. We, yeah, we may be the most enrolled then. That is entirely possible, which would be really funny with K-State being here because K-State, I think, is the smallest power five as things stand. I think so. I think I think this is another situation where it's us in Virginia Tech. <laughs> you might be right, actually. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, Virginia's Tech Stadium does hold like 60,000. Yeah. Granted, ours holds 50. We fill it. But we also have very, 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 very loyal alumni. So True unusually loyal alumni i'll put it like that yeah but But. the pac-12 most of my scenarios they do not survive i say scenarios i have three i have the preferred realistic preferred unrealistic and the nuclear we're bringing back the nuclear option the nuclear options what almost killed us last time it did it almost that was an accident ace (laughs) that wasn't yeah okay but you know what you know what Foreshadowing, for, foreshadowing, the Pac-12 died in the nuclear situation last year. Oh, God. Yeah, just let's just get it over with. Yeah. The, pa- <laughs> uh, the Pac-12 did perish in the, uh, the previous iteration of this list. Um, where did they go? Is my question. 
Uh, looks like a lot of them joined the Southwest Conference. God, because you rebuilt the Southwest Conference. I did, but I made it better. I also threw in the New Mexico schools for easy dubs. <laughs> yeah, for easy. No, you did that to make Lucas happy. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, and I brought up some FCS schools here. That's last year. This year, I brought up a few FCS schools. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Like, Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Washington, the Montanas were the schools I was compelled to bring up, mainly because I feel like the Mountain West could see this as an opportunity to try and assert itself as the most competitive group of five, especially with the schools leaving the American, the Americans trying to expand. But I just think that honestly, I I'm looking at the list of the American schools and the list of the Mountain West schools. I think I'd rather watch any given Mountain West game over any given American game, especially if Memphis leaves for the big 12, which I think that they will when their stadium is finished renovating. Yeah, the, which, the only game that I could see that I'd really like watching from the American would be Memphis SMU. That would be a good game. That'd be a legitimately good game. North, also, North Texas gets back to uh, their early Seth Luttrell days. Then they could be a force to be reckoned with. But Mountain West, you know, Boise, Colorado State, they can figure it out. Fresno, uh, Nevada, they, they were really good last year. Uh, San Diego State, that's a fun team. Uh, Wyoming. They're they're kind of they've been kindred spirits of K State offensively for a while. Uh, there's a lot of watchable Mountain West teams, but that's kind of getting beside the point. Yeah, Pac-12, um, they die in two of three options, and the third is not pretty because <laughs> the only schools that remain are Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State. Here, the Arizona's, Colorado, and Utah head to the Big Twelve. Uh, Oregon and Washington head to the Big Ten. They add San Diego State and San Jose State, as well as Boise State, which is seven. I think I ran out of time and couldn't figure out what other school to add because I was sitting here and this stumped me for a long time was who would the Pac-12 add that's at least semi-realistic? I know it's the unrealistic option, but I, I guess looking at this list is probably Fresno, but probably Fresno. And then they may ask North Dakota State depending on how desperate they get. Maybe. Gosh, if that would be desperate. If they went... What's more desperate, UNLV or NDSU? Definitely NDSU, I'd say. Because that's a further travel than UNLV. It's a stranger culture fit. And it's an FCS straight to Power 5, which I don't even know is actually allowed by the NCAA rules. Because you have to have, I think, at least like a two-year independent probationary period before you can join a conference. I'm pretty sure. But there's something like that, I think. But it, the Pac-12, they really are on... The ice could not be thinner right now. I would hate to be George Klyavkov, the uh, commissioner of the Pac-12. Uh, he just started this job like last year. That sucks. Right. That like, really sucks. What a horrible position to be in. Like, and he he had like a Bullsby-esque quote or from earlier this month where he was like, Our conference like really likes each other. Like, we're gonna be never, great. Never say that your conference is more unified than they've ever been. Yeah. That's what it's we've like, learned. It's like the kiss of death, man. Like it he was asking for it basically. I mean, like when you do something like that, but yeah, I uh I, 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 I'm pretty skeptical of the Pac-12's future right now. Maybe 
maybe I'm just not being generous because remember a lot of people were very skeptical the Big 12 would survive last year and nevertheless they made it through but I think a lot of that hinged on there being better options available and the Pac-12 is in no position to pick off schools from the Big 12 because they're going to the Big 12 at this rate is going to have a much better media deal than the Pac-12 standing yeah, especially right? with your mark Exactly. Yeah. Uh, those connections should not be taken for granted. Granted, Klyakov is supposed to be a pretty connected guy, but how, I don't know how you're going to get a group like this, especially with the lack of stability. I mean, if there's one thing the Big 12 can say is that they've been pretty united since uh, the initial shock of OU and Texas leaving. Well, except for one. Except for one. Okay. Yeah. But that's even then, I think that's just the fan base. Like, yeah. I, I think. I think the administration there is more than aware of the situation they're in and what's best for them. But yeah, the Pac-12, there's no way they have a better media deal than the Big 12. The Big 12 is going to get a better media deal than the ACC. The Big 12 is going to become the de facto number three conference because there's just there's no world universe in which they are able to catch up with the Big 10 and the SEC. No one's going to do that. It's a two conference battle for supremacy between the big 10 and the sec mutually assured destruction um but yeah i i think all past point towards the pac-12 either dying or essentially dying and i i mean if they get to the point where they're debating if they need to add even lv then you can consider the pac-12 effectively dead i think but yeah. i don't know what do you what do you think about these uh these lists here ace I I don't hate them as much as last year. I, <laughs> um, we'll we'll actually uh, if you can make this. Do you know how to make a? You did it last year. You know how to make a spreadsheet public, right? Yeah, yeah, I know how to do that. We'll we'll pin this. We'll pin the spreadsheet because I don't want this episode to be like an hour thirty long. We'll pin this spreadsheet to the tweet for the episode so you can see exactly what we did, but. Like Connor said, just know that there's only one scenario where the Pac-12 lives. Um, and that's the unrealistic option. <laughs> yeah. Like right now, I have the realistic options, the Pac-12 dying, and them spreading out between the Big 12, the Big 10, and going independent, and also the Mountain West. Because I have Cal and Stanford going independent, which I think they're more likely to do that than join the Mountain West, honestly. Maybe I'm wrong, but... That's kind of how I see it. Are there any California FCS schools? Um, yeah, I think there's several actually. Um, I think most, if I think the entire Western Athletic Conference is FCS, like oh UC Irvine. There's like a million University of California hyphen random city. Apparently, there is only one FCS football team. Uh, so I bet a lot of them just don't have football teams then. I, I lied. It's a through one, two, three, four. There are four of them. Uh, Cal Polytechnic, Sacramento State, San Diego, and then UC Davis. So there's a San Diego and a San Diego State? Yes. Why? I. Why is there a Kansas and a Kansas State? <laughs> Well, that's because a whole state. It's a whole Never state. mind. Never mind. Okay, I realized what I said is stupid. Now, granted, granted, there's a Pittsburgh and a Pittsburgh state. That's true, but one doesn't have the H. Oh, you got me there. 
Uh, anyway, and they're not anyway. So I check out the spreadsheet. Um, we'll go through, how about this? We go through what the big 12 gains in every situation. And then we'll just leave it up to everyone else to read. That's not all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for me. All right. Um, I'm not going to steal your thunder. This is your spreadsheet. It's your baby. All right. Uh, I have five different lists here. The first one is just as things stand today. Like if there was a game played today, like what would the conferences be? Then I have another one, which is a current realignment, like confirmed things like the four schools coming to the big 12, OU, Texas, the SEC, UCLA, USC, the big 10, and a lot of like random movement in group of five. It's not really relevant to this conversation. Yeah. Then I have three after that, that are actually interesting and aren't just like lists of like real things. Yeah. Uh, preferred realistic, preferred unrealistic and the nuclear option. Uh, the preferred realistic, uh, uh, the big advantage here for the Big 12, I'd say is twofold. The first one is that they get the Arizonas, Colorado, and Utah. The second is that they lose a competitor in the Pac-12. And the Big 12 will be jockeying with, AC, with the ACC for third place. Then the Big 10 and SEC uh, continue their uh, like run towards like creating their own entity separate from the rest of college football because they're so good and we should bow down to our overlords. Yeah. The but, FAS. Yeah. But they, uh, now the big, the big 12, the best thing that they get here is larger numbers and stability. I'd say, because one of the biggest criticisms of adding like Cincy, BYU, Houston, UCF is that those are smaller programs, but the Arizona's in Utah, even Colorado, those are not small programs. Those are historic power five programs. Although Utah, they were Mountain West for a long time, but Another I'd say that BCS they, buster. Yeah, they carry themselves as longtime power five. Uh, and they, they act like it and it, and it pays off because I sometimes forget that they weren't always power five. Yep. But they th- that's obvious benefits for the Big 12, pure and simple. They add four quality teams and cement their future at least temporarily long-term. If you're not in the big 10 or sec, it's going to suck, but we'll cross that bridge when we need to. I'm not ready to have that emotional journey, but the preferred unrealistic. I also have the big 12 adding Memphis. I couldn't quite figure out who else to add here for the big 12. Um, You could probably pick off another American conference team. You know the one I want, but. SMU. Yeah. Uh, SMU is someone that I seriously considered. Tulane is someone I considered, yes, literally just for you, Lucas. And <laughs> <laughs> you make a lot of concessions to him just for realignment purposes. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> but um, American Conference, that they, they may lose a couple more. I don't feel bad about anything that happens to the American Conference after they literally conspired to get the Big 12 destroyed. Like anything can happen to them and I won't feel that bad. I'll feel yeah. bad for the individual schools. I won't feel bad for like the conference administration whatsoever. No. But that does put the big 12 in an awkward number, but that's literally just because I ran out of time and couldn't figure out who else to add. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's the big benefit. They add Memphis here, which is it's nice to get a little bit more eastward expansion. 
the Big 12 in this situation is it's like if Conference USA was better. Like <laughs> where like or I, I say better as if the Conference USA is any good at all and they're not. So I'll say if Conference USA was good and their idea was more realized. Um, which is basically to have a conference that spreads across the country. And that would be the Big 12 because you have the Arizonas. The only thing you wouldn't have is like all the way to the West Coast. You wouldn't get all you wouldn't get all the way to the Pacific, but Arizonas are close enough. You know, you're a you're like a world record stones throw away from <laughs> the, from the coast there. But um then adding Memphis, you know, you get a a, a well-known uh, city uh, east of the Mississippi, barely, but it is east of the Mississippi, which is, I'm sure, Cincy, uh, West Virginia, UCF, they'll all be happy about that. Uh, downside here, Pac-12 survives. Um, downside. <laughs> I have them holding on by a thread. Boise, San Diego State, San Jose State join. I know they need somebody else. I couldn't figure out who. Probably Fresno. Uh but they, uh, they this situation. Uh, I, I hate to interrupt you in this situation. I really do think that the mountain West dies so that the PAC 12 can live. You think so? Yeah. I think that they kind of fold Colorado state Fresno state. I do think that they get desperate enough to add UNLV and Wyoming. So I think that the mountain West just kind yeah. of folds into the PAC 12. So what happens to the schools that were not mentioned? Do they go to FCS? I don't, like think they, I don't think they go to FCS. I think that they try to remain in the Mountain West, and it's just a really small Mountain West. Either that or CUSA so, just brings up a metric buttload of FCS schools and then picks up the Mountain West and moves them somewhere else. All right. <laughs> so in this situation, the Mountain West loses what Colorado State, Fresno, and UNLV. Anyone else? Uh, Colorado State, Fresno State, UNLV, and Wyoming. Wyoming. So that leaves, in my scenario, I have them adding Eastern Washington, Hawaii, the Montana schools, Montana, Montana State, Nevada, New Mexico, New Mexico State, Sam Houston State, then Utah State. That's nine, I think, by my count. They can bring up North Dakota State. <laughs> yeah, they, they can bring up somebody else. There's a lot of FCS schools in that region of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, like, I don't know, like the way that football developed and the way that states developed, you know, there's so much vast open space, I guess. Yeah, like, there's so much nothing in that area. Yeah, but... like, like there's no chance for a school like Toledo to exist out there, but or Ball State, Akron, but imagine like Akron, but in like Montana. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> they would be like a fringe FCS at best, but an AA school. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, I could see that where uh, the PAC 12 just like kind of absorbs uh, a lot of the mountain West and desperation. They would compare it to the big 12 adding uh, some American schools in BYU. But I, I really don't think that'd be a comparable situation because I think any school that the Pac-12 adds in the Mountain West is worse than any school the Big 12 added in the summer of uh, 2021. Yeah. I, I, I was a little worried about that statement at first, but I thought about it. And I was like, truly, the worst... Well, first of all, who do you think is the worst school the Big 12 added? It's obviously not BYU or Cincy. 
It's either Houston, Houston or UCF. It's Houston. Yeah, Houston. I think Houston's a fair answer there. Would you rather have Houston or Boise? Houston. Yeah, and all the other schools are worse than Boise. So, unless you like have an emotional attachment to Colorado State, which I get, they're close. I don't. <laughs> like I get, I get it. If you do, I I don't. It'd be a fun like road trip, but that's that's where the love ends for me with Colorado State. If Colorado came to us and was like, "We will join and take less money, so you can have more, but only if we bring Colorado State," I would begrudgingly say yes. If we got the other Arizona's, Utah, Memphis, yeah. Because that put us at like 16, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe that's not tied. a good thing to say yes to. That's tied to with the Big Ten for most schools. but Yeah, we would be at 16 with the Big Ten SEC. Granted, it'd be a decidedly weaker 16 than those two, but it would at the very least be 16 schools. We'd be oh. in a much better spot than the ACC, a much better spot than the Pac-12, who would arguably be on the same level as the American Conference at this point. They would be they would be more top heavy, but they would be definitely weighed down. The only benefit that the Pac-12 would have left is that there's a lot of in-state talent in California that they would be able to mine. But that then a lot of that talent is probably getting exported at that point. All right. That's another great benefit with the Arizonas, is uh that opens up that talent bed even more to uh the Big 12. Jacoby Lane, come on down. Jacoby right. Lane. Come on down, man. All right. New- Go through your nuclear option. Go through all of it. I know you want to. Come on. All right. <laughs> nuclear option starts off the same. Arizona's, Colorado, Utah. They still get Memphis. The Big 12 does in this scenario. I also have them getting Louisville, and you might be wondering, Louisville, that's a little strange. What, what happened to the ACC? We'll get to that. And <laughs> the Big 10, they still add Oregon and Washington. Um, they make a few other additions. And a couple subtractions. Um, and I do mean subtractions. I don't mean they leave. I mean they vote them out. Yeah. And uh, the Big Ten also gets Notre Dame. They get Pittsburgh. They get Virginia. You might be asking, that's a, that's a weird amount of schools to pick from the ACC. And you might say, why don't they try and get other schools from the ACC? Because, well, the other good schools were already taken by the SEC in this scenario. Clemson, Florida, Miami, North Carolina, and NC State get poached by the SEC. That leaves the ACC with Boston College, Duke, Georgia Tech, NC State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest as a glorified Big East where Duke can't even play North Carolina. Talk God, about depressing. because awful. I know. It's terrible. Maybe North Carolina, the SEC, is unrealistic, so maybe they stick around in um, the ACC. But I don't know, man. Uh, SEC, they're going to start a lot of the Big Ten in the SEC. It's going to seem like they're reaching, uh, I think, uh, at some point, because there's going to be a race to like make a really big conference. And a lot of schools geographically similar to them are going to be making arguments about why they're not awful. And there's going to be some weird fits. And Oh, also, a uh, side note, Pac-12's yeah, they're long. Dead. They're long dead in this scenario. They, they've been buried, and they've been forgotten about at this point. And uh, the Cal and Stanford, they go independent. 
uh, Mountain West gets Oregon State, Washington State. I'm really sorry, Oregon State, Washington State. I truly am. If the Big 12 was a charity, I would take it an RB because I don't want Power 5 schools to suffer, especially because it's not Oregon State and Washington State's fault. The rest of their conference sucks. But, yeah. Oh, also, forgot to mention, the Big 10, they vote Northwestern and Rutgers out because they are nerds that suck at sports, and they don't need them dragging down their conference because they don't need to lie about caring about academics academics at this point. The only requirement they keep is AAU. Pittsburgh and Virginia are AAU. I don't think Notre Dame is, but the Big Ten votes to make an exception because Notre Dame is Notre Dame. And the Big Ten has wanted Notre Dame for a very long time. And other random uh, decisions I made here, Conference USA dies because they should have already last year. And they just kind of didn't. They managed to survive by adding like Jacksonville State. Okay, I, uh, I am sure. the god of this universe, so I, <laughs> I, 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 I do justice to Conference USA, put them out of their misery. Uh, I also i I made a few decisions here that I felt like helped some teams and put them in better positions, like Louisiana Tech. I had them moved. Uh, to the Sun Belt to be with Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Monroe. I thought it was weird they were solo. Um, I had New Mexico State moved to be in the Mountain West so they could be in New Mexico. I had UTEP moved to be with UTSA. I know there's like a million Texas schools, but I thought it was weird that UTEP and UTSA were separate. Yeah. That, that's it. I have Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky moved into the MAC. This is the first, this is like the first time I've ever like done expansion with the Mac and like actually thought it could like make a little sense because the Mac has been remarkably stable throughout all of expansion, which is weird for a a conference that is known for chaos. They they are remarkably stable in terms of the teams that they have for their brand because their brand is Maction and chaos, but they almost never make alterations, it seems like at least they haven't which is really strange to me. But yeah, I've got Cal, Liberty, Northwestern, Rutgers, and Stanford all going independent. Notre Dame exiting independent status. Eastern Kentucky, Montana, Montana State all rise from the FCS to the FBS level. And I think that about covers it. Would you say this is more or less extreme than the previous nuclear option? I'd say less, personally. It is definitely less extreme. Because the more and more you kept talking, the last year my mouth started agape staring at the 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 spreadsheet, and then you started talking, and then it got worse. This year you started talking, and I'm like, you know what? Sure, whatever. I can accept this world. Like I can. Th- this was not a world that my body was violently rejecting. <laughs> I'll allow that. That's a step up. You didn't try to reenact the Southwestern Conference. That is true. I didn't do that. I I I took notes from the previous round of realignment and decided what would actually happen and what wouldn't. Because I assumed that Texas and Oklahoma would be a bit more nostalgic than they are, but I wrongly assumed that because all anyone cares about is money. So I decided, okay, well, what would make sense monetarily for most of these conferences? 
at least the ones that have the ability to do something about it, which is the SEC and the Big Ten. And the ACC has the unfortunate uh, stature, I guess, of being geographically in a similar area to SEC and Big Ten. I mean, the thing is, is that this is three conferences that de facto die. The ACC, the Pac-12, and CUSA are all yeah. dead or de facto dead. Which, see, okay, to be fair, CUSA should They brought die. that down on themselves. They like, brought- I hate to say it, but they kind of do deserve it, I think. Yeah. Because, I mean, they were down to five schools for a while. and Because they forgot to put a buyout. They did. They had no buyout, which is crazy. And, and they brought up the wrong Jackson State. They brought up Jacksonville State. They not Jackson State. Uh, they probably like sent mail to the wrong school. Like they were like, let's get Jackson State. You know, they're a really good school. Like, like they've got a lot of media hype around them. Like, let's bring them up to FBS. Like, this will be great for us. And they accidentally sent mail to Jacksonville State. And they were like, oh my gosh, yes, we totally want to be FBS. And TSA was like, oh gosh. Like, we brought up the wrong Jackson State. How, how are there two? But, then um, yeah, every other change is pretty minor here, honestly. But yeah, the Pac-12 dies, which honestly isn't that unrealistic. It's not even that nuclear. I'm, it's it's nuclear, I guess, but it's not unrealistic, I guess. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. The ACC getting destroyed is probably the most nuclear, nuclear. thing and also unrealistic thing that happens, I'd say. Yeah. But I think that to some degree, it's almost inevitable. Because we saw today, it was mentioned that Notre Dame can leave the ACC and all of their sports and not pay the full exit fee, which is $50 million, I think, something like that. Um, they'll pay a partial buyout because they're not an ACC member in football. And the buyout is significantly lower in all their sports. And Notre Dame has like infinite money. I mean, they have access to the Vatican. I mean, <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically the second home of the Vatican, you know, in South Bend, Indiana. So, I don't know. Notre I mean, Dame, yeah, they they'll they'll, they'll be fine money wise, and I don't know. Uh, the Northwestern Rutgers are unfortunate victims here of realignment. It's it's truly sad, but I I almost I nearly kicked out Purdue as well. But not the boilermakers. I know right? in this economy, but <laughs> I decided to keep them around because they've had some athletic success. They've been pretty good. At, I mean, basketball doesn't really matter realignment, but they were, they were, they've been solid in football recently. Drew Brees went there. So I was like, I'll keep Purdue around Northwestern nice. Rutgers. Like Rutgers shouldn't be there anyways. They should be in the ACC Northwestern. Yeah. They barely want to be there. So yeah. Yeah, I Yeah, I have nothing more to add. Do you have anything to add? No, I don't. All right. That may have felt like the wacky segment of the week. That wasn't meant to be the wacky segment of the week. We're going to keep it short and sweet. With the current personnel at K-State football or on the K-State football team, would you rather have us move to a pure air raid system or a pure triple option system? So just imagine Colin Colin Klein gets a phone call from Chris Kleiman saying, hey, you need to pick these two. Once Colin Klein gets over the initial confusion, 
or he pulls out the playbook that he already has made up for this exact situation because of he's Colin Klein. Of course he does. Which one would you rather have us do? See, I think I initially answered triple option when I spoke to you about it because mm-hmm. I had forgotten that we talked about it, but I remembered it after you brought it up and that I said triple option, but I think I'm going to change my answer to air raid. Really? And, yeah. Personnel may not be perfect for it, but it is entirely because I think watching a triple option team, I'd rather watch paint dry and like I, that that's the extent of it really. And then also I think that we could recruit for an area team. I think we're seeing that right now where it's possible to recruit for it. I know it's current personnel, but I'm saying that I could get over a year of it, maybe not being perfect with the expectation that in the future it would be better, but Current personnel, triple option maybe makes a bit more sense, but I don't know if I'd want that. So I think I'm going air raid. You know what? I'm actually going to go air raid as well. And the main reason I say that is almost exclusively because of, of, well, three main reasons. First and foremost is Thad Ward. And I just want to see Thad Ward being an amazing receivers coach because he is. Yeah. Second would be, and this is going to sound weird, but it's the exact same system where Adrian Lara came from. And I really want to see full potential Adrian Lara. That would be really interesting. Adrian Lara and the full air raid. Maybe that's a sign. Maybe we're going to like have Adrian start for one year and we're just going to be an air raid team for a single season. Sure. And then Avery comes in and we like switch like RPO or something. Sure. Fine. Sure. Whatever. That would be kind of fun if every season we had a different offense. Be like like an oh, anthology. That'd be awful. That'd It'd be, be like awful. an anthology TV series where every season is like a different story. <laughs> that'd be awful. But I mean like imagine like coming to like the like the random FCS 6 p.m. kickoff game to start the year every season. Like, I wonder what offense we're gonna run this year. Oh god, it's wing T. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mar- Maryland I oh, not the Maryland I but just given the personnel that we have I think Deuce Vaughn is an infinitely better fit for an air raid team than a triple option team honestly the biggest the biggest consequence and the biggest loser from us going to an air raid team would probably be Anthony Frias uh, I thought you were going to say Jax Deneen Jax he's probably up there yeah, I mean, air raid. We could use Anthony Farias in like goal line situations at least. Yeah, it's true. But I'm surprised we both answered air raid. I was gonna say triple option, but I don't and know. you I was remembered thinking, that you hate triple option. Yeah, I, I kind of hold a bit of a vendetta against it for NCAA the 14. Game? Oh, yeah, okay. And, ha- and how it always made uh, the uh, the armed forces teams like really good because the AI just didn't know how to stop it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason Air Force should be ranked number two in every single dynasty I'm in. For me, it's Army. Uh, it's normally Army for me, but it was Air Force for me recently. So. And then Navy sucks, which sucks because most of my family is in the Navy. I've had family in every single branch, but a lot of it's mostly Navy. And Navy always sucks. So <laughs> go Navy, by the way. <laughs> Except for the Liberty Bowl. Except, Except for, for the Navy. Liberty Bowl. I, I think I've told this story before, but the uh, 
the army navy game when i was younger was a legitimate war in the household really <laughs> she had like line like it was a de facto line down the middle where you had army <laughs> on one side navy on the other it was really funny i did not realize that yeah but uh and this was before uh this was before i met the part of the family that had air force so the air force just didn't exist but yeah that, that's well i you know what i mean <laughs> no yeah i get you all right but that pretty much wraps up this episode of the aggieville alley cats podcast thank you all so much for listening if you want to follow or contact the show please be sure to follow us on twitter at aggieville a cats that's capital a capital a and capital c and cats if you want to email us we're aggieville alley cats at gmail.com if you want to follow us on a more personal note i am at ac edward zero zero i am at connor Balthazor, capital c capital b and if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to go to the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where you can find such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, Neon Alley Cats, and Doom Tang Clan. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>